We started three weeks ago in this mini-series, Simplify. Bill Hybels wrote, Simplify living is about more than doing less. It's about being who God called us to be with a wholehearted, single-minded focus. That first week, I taught you what God is doing in you. He's restoring you. He's knitting you together. He's uniting you completely as a person. He's confirming you. He's getting you mentally settled. He's getting your life heading in the right direction. He is strengthening you. He is infusing you with a strength that is his strength. And he is establishing you. He is putting down a foundation. He's allowing you to build your life upon that foundation, rendering your life firm and unwavering. Last week, we looked at a specific word. God does it so that people will fear him. We read in Ecclesiastes. And I taught you about that word fear in Hebrew, yurah. I'll never forget that word. It is, it is bound deep in my heart now. It means to wonder. It means to be in amazement of. It means there's a mystery. There, you're, you are astonished. There is deep gratitude. There's admiration and there is worship. Yurah, to fear God, is not to be afraid. It's to be overwhelmed with a sense of God's glory, worth, and majesty. This is who God is, and we are wrapped in that mystery. Last week I asked you what season you're in right now. What's the theme of your life today? And I said, what is God trying to teach you in your season? So important to learn his lessons during the seasons of our lives. And I said, are you fully engaged in the season that you are in? What could you do to embrace that season, if it's good or if it's difficult, to, to surround yourself with the season and to wrap yourself in it? I asked two questions. At the end of your life, you will ask yourself these two questions. Am I right with my family? Am I right with my maker? Now on this third message from Simplify, let me teach you the power of a verse. The power of a verse. Hybels wrote, life verses often reflect an individual story and personality. A good life verse should motivate you to run the right race for an eternal, imperishable prize. Find a verse that doesn't leave you sitting comfortably on your backside, but rather drives you to act on the things that matter most. Psalm 119, verse 105, puts it this way. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God's word is a light to show you how to live your life, where to go, how to, how to accomplish things, what the right direction is. Follow the light. His word is showing you something that's huge for your life, huge for our lives together. Your word or thy word in the King James is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. And there was this other sense in ancient times about God's word. 
It was his voice. It was God speaking to you. So that when you, you have a verse, it's God's voice living inside of you. It's the person of God. When you have a relationship with a person, you don't just have a person's name and address. You want to have conversation with them. You want to hear what's on their heart. The word of God is what's on God's heart. It is his voice. So when you have a verse and you keep it close to you, you hold it on the inside in your heart and mind. It's the same as hearing God's voice. It's the same as deepening your relationship with him. And what I'm encouraging you to do today is to have a life verse. If you don't already have one, if you don't have one today, by the end of this message, I want you to have a, a direction that you're going to move in. At the end of this message, you're going to be able to pick up all the verses I'm talking about today. And even more at the Connection Center, there's a packet out there waiting for you to take home so you can look at it. You can think about it. You can feel it. And you can find that verse that's going to guide you through all the days of your life from this day forward. The power of a verse is significant. Billy Graham had a life verse. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Can you see how that relates to his span of ministry over 50, 60, 70 years? Psalm 1611. Martin Luther King Jr., let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream, Amos 5.24. And you can look at his life, and you can see that life first, that place where he anchored the voice of God inside of him. Hybels wrote, having a life first is one of the most powerful tools I know for simplifying your life. Like a lighthouse in the darkness, it keeps you on course. It drives you to live each day with fervency and passion. Someday when you stand before God, your life verse will have helped you receive a crown worth keeping. Your life verse should do three things. Clarify what matters most. Call out the best in you. Bring comfort. It should clarify what matters most in all of life. As you look around at, at all the different voices that are coming at you, God's voice is the most important voice of all. It should call out the best in you. It should, it should make you a more effective person. It should make you a better person. It should make you the person that God is calling you to be. And it should bring you comfort. It should be this place of, you can rest in this. You know this is the truth. You can, you can lean back on this and you can lean into this. And this can surround your life and carry you through any time that your life encounters. Clarify what matters most. Call out the best in you. Bring comfort. My life verse was and is Isaiah 66, 2. I can tell you the exact moment it became my life's verse. I can tell you how I felt in that moment. I was on an airplane, and I was reading 
my Bible, and it just jumped off the page. Isaiah 66, 2. And I started to read it. I got to, but to this one I will look. And I stopped, and I thought, oh, my goodness. God's voice right now is going to tell me the kind of person he is looking for. But to this one I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. That's the New American Standard Bible translation. That's the translation I read it in. And when I think about it today, I always think about it in my mind in this way. To this one I will look, to the one who is humble, to the one who is contrite of heart, to the one who trembles at my word. Humility is so important to to the Christian life. Uh, In Philippians 2, it's a picture of the humility of Jesus, the humility of God himself, not looking for position, not looking for status, not looking for uh, some kind of special treatment. And that is just such an important part of of how I think. I, I try to catch myself if I want position or if I want special treatment. Or, you know, I try to watch that. I try to look for simple things that I can do that, that are off the beaten path, that there's no applause, there's no fanfare. I'm going to tell you something I did this morning, not for recognition, but just to illustrate this in my life. I, I was driving on my way to church. I'd walked Bodie and Wilson. I got him back in the house. I had my coffee. I'm now in the car. I'm all dressed. I'm coming here. And somebody's trash can was in the middle of the road. I put on my flashers. I get out of my car. I got it off the road and into their yard. And then I continued on my way. No Instagram. I didn't take a selfie with the trash can and put it out there. So, hey, I'm moving a trash can. Um, You know, how many dozens of cars this morning had driven by, driven by, driven by? You know, but I knew it was the right thing to do for this neighbor to get this off the road and back into their yard. There are so many things like that that can be a part of our lives every single day. In humble service, there are are things that we can pick up. There are things that we can move. There are things that we can... We can just make a difference in. Humility means, it doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It just means you think of yourself less. So I try to, I try to keep that in my mind. To the one who is contrite of heart. This means when you say something wrong, when you do something wrong, when you think something wrong, that you are sorry and that you ask God to forgive you for that. If you're a human being, you say something wrong, you think something wrong, and you do something wrong. If you're married, you say something wrong, you think something wrong, and you do something wrong. If you go to work every day, you say something wrong, you think something wrong, you you take an attitude of judgment towards somebody, you take an attitude of, I don't need this one more thing on my plate, Today, I wish you would just walk away. You, just, you're, you can be dismissive. Or you can entertain a thought that you know you shouldn't be entertaining. Every human being does this. I, I once was with a great South African pastor. We're having dinner here in Virginia Beach. 
and I wanted to learn something from his leadership. I said, tell me the greatest leadership lesson that you've learned over all these years you've been in ministry in South Africa. And he didn't even blink. He just said that I make mistakes, that I make mistakes. It's one of the great leadership lessons. You don't, have, you don't bat a thousand. And there are times when you fall down. And there are times when you disappoint. And there are times when, when you, you have a bad attitude in a situation. And, and, and God says, you know, the person I look for is the one who recognizes that and is sorry about that and confesses that. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know there's a layer underneath that? It means that after you do that, after you're honest about your human frailties, you determine to be better. You determine to maybe apologize. You, you, you set something right. God's looking for people who live that way, who live in humility, who live being contrite of heart and want to be better to the one who trembles at my word. It means that you really do understand that the Bible is God's voice, and you do understand that every word is from his mind and his heart to you, so that when you come to the Bible, it's almost like you're, you're trembling. It's like that, that word, Urah. You're going to read about a wonder and an amazement. God's going to talk to you. God's going to say something directly to you. To be in awe of that. And that's the person that God is looking for. But to this one I will look. To the one who is humble. To the one who is contrite of heart. To the one who trembles at my word. And that's my life first. I want to be that person. And it helps me to to see that and to remember that and to think about that. And I don't get it perfect. And I, I sometimes mess it up royally. But that's my life verse that God gave me. And I hold on to it with all my heart. Another verse I hold on to often is Hebrews 12, 11. All discipline, all discipline for the moment is not joyful but is sorrowful. Yet to the one who has been trained by it, in the end, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And anytime things are, are hard and difficult, and there's, there's sort of discipline coming in, and you need more discipline, or God is showing you something, and, and you go, this is not fun. This is painful. This is so hard. Yet in the end, those who have been trained by it, you let that teach you something. You let God speak into your life it yields, the result is the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You learn to think like God and, and walk like he would walk and act like he would act. That's a great verse. There's another one that's always on my heart and mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Our, our humanness, our frailty, that part of us that, that is just very vulnerable. Well, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's God's power. It's not my power. It's what he is doing. It's all part of a larger context in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
I usually look at 6 through 10 and 14 through 18. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's the treasure. The knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then Paul just gets very real and very honest. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. And if that's not enough, struck down, but not destroyed. It's like a kaiju is coming at you every moment of every day. I watch Pacific Rim too many times. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It's something that's going on inside. It's dramatic. It's holy. It's, it's bigger than, than this life itself. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. What an amazing truth. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This is God's voice. These are his words. And so then Paul sets up a conclusion. Therefore, therefore, we do not lose hearts. We don't give up. We are hard-pressed, we are perplexed, we are, we are persecuted, we are struck down. We don't give up, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, here's his, his final conclusion, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's a great verse right there, 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Everything around us is passing away, but what is unseen is eternal. We're looking at something that we can't see, but we know it lasts forever. The truth is, you can start with one life verse that is a spiritual anchor and then add others through the seasons of your life. So the question becomes, what's your life verse? What's your life verse? And that's what I'd like you to ponder today and pray about today and work on today. And you can pick up this packet later on, but let me take you through some of these categories of life verses. Group one is about assurance. Psalm 3, 3 and 4. You, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. Maybe Maybe you like that image, the mighty warrior. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you. 
but will rejoice over you with singing. John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. You are never going to die. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And, and let me encourage you, when you hear some of these verses, some of them are just going to go right by you, but some are going to connect to your heart. You're going to have an emotional reaction. That's a clue that maybe this could be your life first. Some of them, if you're a thinking person, you're going to go, that makes sense to me. The way that was put, those words they make sense. It's a logical progression of thought. So some of you are going you're gonna to think your way to a life first. Some of you are going to feel your way to a life first. But you're going to start to feel and you're going to start to think. And then you're going to take time to kind of get down to that one that you can hang your life on. Group two is compassion. Psalm 82, 3 and 4. Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. It's quick. It's sharp. It's right on point. Matthew 27, 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now that would be a lot to memorize. So you might want to go back to Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the, Lord, to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. It's quick. It's sharp. It, it, it fits your, your heart of compassion. You can carry it with you. You can hang your life on it. James 1.27. I think of this a lot. When people debate religion, and people have discussions about religious traditions and things, James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world or unstained by the world. It's all about compassion and, and setting the world over here, putting a boundary upon what the world is telling you to do and to be and staying focused on this is what God wants us to do and to be. This is religion that God accepts as pure and faultless. Group three is gratitude. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Group 4, 
courage. I think all of us could say, oh, I just, I need courage. I'm facing all these different things. They, they're just coming at me. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He's going to be with you when you go into that final exam. He's going to be with you when you go into that big deal. You're walking into a boardroom. Every eye is on you. He's going to be with you as you go into this season with so many demands and so many places and people you have to see and get to. Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. With whom, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Group five, justice. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Isaiah 1.17, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Peace. The Lord replied, Exodus 33, 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Psalm 46, 10, very famous. These words are very well known. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And if, if you just like be still and know that I am God, that's good. You can hang your life on that. Psalm 46, 10. Romans 8, 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7. I think about this often. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You're worried about stuff. You're anxious about things. You just, you're driven by these compulsive worries. And, and, and Peter reminds you, don't be anxious. Cast all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. He's watching over you. He's with you in all these things. Group seven, sacrifice. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Isaiah 6, 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And maybe that here am I, send me rings in your heart or in your mind. God, that's my life verse. Here am I, send me. And you, you think about that and you look for situations where he can send you in. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of living. It's a way where you give your life to the voice of God speaking to you, this relationship 
with God is what your whole life is about. And if you live this way, you are not crazy. It's very different from the way the world tells you to live. You are not crazy. And Hybels has a, a section on page 218. It's titled, You're Not Crazy. You're Not Crazy. Some years back, I received a phone call from a man I know who has the spiritual gift of giving. He could have retired five times over and spent the rest of his life on the golf course, but instead he chose to keep working very hard and living rather modestly in proportion to his substantial income so he could underwrite kingdom ventures as generously as possible. On the phone, he asked me to meet with him. So we made a lunch date. I feared something horrible had happened to him. But across the lunch table, he said, Bill, you know I have the spiritual gift of giving. It's the only thing I can do really well. I'm well aware, I said. I knew of several substantial plays that had been possibly, that had been possibly, possible solely because this man had been faithful with his gift of giving. You could have hung it up a long time ago, I told him, yet you keep working so you can keep giving. Exactly, he said. But my wife thinks I'm crazy, my business partner thinks I'm crazy, my accountant thinks I'm crazy, and my lawyer thinks I'm crazy, and it would really help me if you could tell me I'm not crazy. I burst out laughing. No, not only are you not crazy, I said, you're actually the smart one who's laying up treasures on the other side. My life verse says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work is never in vain. Investing in an imperishable wreath is not crazy. People who are running a different race, they'll call you crazy, but you're the smartest guy I know laying it up on the other side. If you like this man, are being a good steward of the spiritual gifts God has given you. If you're being steadfast and immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, you're not crazy. Let me repeat, you're not crazy. You're not crazy for going all out for God with your one and only life. Your efforts are not in vain. You will be richly rewarded on the other side. Your life first should do three things. Clarify what matters most. Call out the best in you. Bring you comforts. Find a verse that doesn't leave you sitting comfortably on your backside, but rather drives you to act on the things that matter most. The challenge today, as we begin this incredible season, the challenge today is for you to find your life verse a verse you can hang your life on, or to add a verse to your life verse that, that uncovers another layer of God's voice that needs to be spoken into this season of your life. You can pick up the life verses packet out at the Connection Center as you leave today. Take the time. Do this because there is amazing power in a verse. Dear Heavenly Father, allow us to hear your voice. Thank you for speaking into our lives so powerfully all the time. Help us to be good listeners. Help us to know the truth that sets us free. Help us to, to say with Paul, I'm crucified with Christ. The life that I live, I live in him and through him. Father, allow us during this amazing season that celebrates the birth of our Savior, 
Allow us to find the strength and the hope and the power to live that comes through hearing your voice. We are thankful. We are humble. We are contrite. And we tremble at your word. In Jesus' name.